on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Back, a podcast presented by Top Shelf Lax. Today is Monday, August 10th, and we are officially finished with the 2020 PLL Championship Series as the final took place yesterday. If you missed it, I'm sorry. I honestly don't know how you managed to do that because it was smack in the middle of your Sunday on NBC Channel 4, but the Whipsnakes repeat as PLL champions. They stormed back after being down 6-3, to three, heading into the fourth quarter. Zeddy Ballgame, Zedzilla, ZVP, whatever you want to call him, went to a different level at the start of the fourth quarter. He scored six goals in this game, five of them coming in the fourth quarter alone, and the Whipsnakes are your 2020 PLL champions. That is our topic of conversation for today as we wrap up our championship series coverage and look ahead to the offseason. I am your host, Ryan Holzbus. Ty Cunnington is here as well, per usual, and there's no formal intro for this show today. We're just going to get right into it. The Whipsnakes win 12-6. to This was a game that the chaos dominated for the first three quarters. I mean, it was very low scoring, obviously 3-2 at the end of the first quarter, 4-2 going into halftime, uh, 6-3 to going into the fourth quarter. And we're thinking at this point, oh, the, the chaos have this thing handled. You know, they played better, as we were just talking about before we even started. Blaze Reardon looked phenomenal uh, for through the uh, first three quarters of this game. And then I, what I, my opinion on this one, Joey Nardella finally showed up in this game and fourth quarter was pretty much for the most part his. I think Matt McMahon tweeted out, he's like, oh, like they should put McCallion in. And then like, I mean, I think five minutes or four minutes left in the, in the game in the fourth quarter, I was like, yeah, no, this, this did not age well because Joe Nardella turned it on come the fourth quarter. Zed, Zed Williams turned it on the fourth quarter and, we have a PLL champion. We have a Jim Brown MVP. I think they were a little quick to announce that. I thought they were going to announce him as the fine, like the finals MVP, which right. he absolutely was. But he is the Jim Brown MVP. Absolutely, he was in the running for that award. But I, I'm, I'm, I have my opinion on that. I'm going to let you, let you give a uh, your, your thing on this. Yeah, I mean, as far as just the game, as far as just the game went, you know, I, I thought. I I thought I, we were saying just as we were talking before we started recording. I still thought it was incredibly entertaining despite its slow start. I think seeing how well the teams were battling defensively, and um, obviously the chaos still you know getting that lead before halftime. Um, but it's still uh, yeah you know it was obviously still short of of crazy highlights we were expecting. That obviously changed later on into the game. You know I think for the most part by halftime and and even into the third quarter, you know not just myself, I'm sure many people were there with me, you know, thinking that, wow, it looks like Blaze is going to be the MVP because it was just quite frankly incredible. I mean, three doorstep saves on the crease um, and having, and, you know, uh, 80 save percentage, I think, going into the third quarter. Um, it was ironic because him and Burnlaw had the same saves going back and forth for most of it, but Burnlaw had it let in. It seems like they were going save for save. But it, but Burnlaw had let in four or five goals. Blaze had still only allowed two. You know, it was uh, it was impressive seeing how well they were playing the Whipsnakes' offense. Honestly, I think we were expecting. You know, they did score the first the first one, and then uh, then they tied it up. I think the chaos. But even then, we were the like two. They scored the first two, and the chaos scored four unanswered. To, right uh, to end a half. Yeah, the first two was Chan and Chuck on a you know a, a pass up top, and then Williams on a down feed, and then you're like, oh, here we go again. But Stephen Kelly did a fantastic job of tying it up and creating the loose balls or winning the faceoffs. I mean, it was it was impressive. He he really came to he really did come to play, and you know that that was part of it was the chaos being able to because they sort of take a lot of the shot clock 
or like none of it. There's really no in between. So they were kind of getting those longer possessions, letting their D rest. You know, that was something Coach Towers was saying at halftime was like, you know, at the least we're winding down the shot clock. And if we have to throw it away, like our, you know, our D is getting more rest because of that. And they were, they just seemed like they were sticking to their game plan and it was working. And then obviously, as we know, the fourth quarter will be remembered for a while. But I mean, what a game, you know, it, it, it felt like to me, it felt like to me while watching it, it something just didn't feel right. I was like, there's no way Nardella is going to keep losing like this. There's no way their offense is going to score three goals. It was going into the fourth quarter and they had three goals. Yeah. That's, in, that's insane. Not The team's been averaging 15 a game or 13 a game. There's no way that this anomaly is going to happen in the championship. You know, very rarely do you see things like that happen. And I almost, I almost said to myself, I think in the second quarter, I was like, you know, I think in the, I think in the fourth quarter, like they're, they're just, like, something's going to have to change. Something's going to happen and it might happen as late as the fourth quarter. And that was, ex- and that was exactly it. I mean, Rambo ended up with four points after having really none besides the first assist. Um, and then obviously Zed Williams basically just took the keys and said, I'm, I'm driving this one home. And it was, uh, it was nothing, it, it was nothing short of outstanding uh, just to watch. And, and basically it, it sort of always proves that like the better team will always win. And quite honestly, although it didn't look like it, you know, the whips really were and are the best team. And, and that showed because of how they were able to just absolutely pour it on and then, completely just block the the chaos offense for the whole end of the game. It was, it was, it was a good game. Um, they deserved it. They're uh, repeat champs and um, you might be looking at the start of a dynasty. Who knows? Oh yeah. Jim Stagnita, uh, his second straight championship here with the PLL, obviously the first two championships. Um, he hasn't won a championship uh, before this and now he's got two in a row. So awesome for coach Stagnita. Uh this was really a game of like just going back and like at first betting wise, I took the chaos to win. I took the chaos to cover because I thought the chaos were going to win. So I said, all right, I'm going to take the cover as well. And then I took the over. I don't know why I took the over. That was a very uh, dumb decision on my part. We'll leave it at that. I really, I just didn't want to be watching this game and it turns into a, uh, like a shootout and the scores running up. And then I didn't want to be like, Oh no, I don't want, you know, less goals now, but I don't know why I thought that was going to be the case. We had one of the, or, well, not one of the, the best defense on one side. We had two of the best goalies on either side. I don't know why I thought this was going to be a high-scoring game, but that's how it turned out. But the, the Whip Snakes did not look like the better team through the first three quarters of this game. I tweeted it out. At, I was like, this is not the Whip Snakes team I've been watching for the last two and a half weeks. They were sloppy. They had – I mean, I don't know if you can really – put Joe Nardella's face-off violations on slot because he'll say the same thing. It's like this whole tournament has kind of been inconsistent. You know, every, you know it's, it's really up to the official's discretion whether it was a violation or not, if they went early or, or what the case might be. But that's really one of the things, too. Like, he was struggling. It was just he got called, I believe, three violations uh, through the first – in the first half, he got called for three violations. Um, but the Whipsnakes did not look like the Whipsnakes to the first three quarters. They absolutely did in the fourth. Um, I mean, nine goals in, in the fourth quarter. The defense turned it on, held them to zero. I mean, the defense was strong throughout the entire game. You hold a team to six goals through three quarters. That's, you know, an accomplishment in, in and of itself. Uh, the offense really was just stagnant. It was slow. All of a sudden, they turned it on. 
Um, they were, for the most part, though, each team putting together good offensive possessions. And obviously, just defensively, they were playing very well uh, defensively. This is kind of what we see, though, with most championship games. Like you think Super Bowls. Super Bowls are always, you know, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, low-scoring defensive battles. That's kind of what, we you know, we expect from a championship game. And we saw it here being that this championship game, for the most part, through the most part of the game, was very low-scoring. It was tight. And then, obviously, the Whipsnakes took off come the fourth quarter. But my dad actually is, he always says, he says, semifinal games, like conference championship games, those are always better than the championship game just because, I don't know, it's just something that I feel like always happens. The, the, the semifinals here for this tournament, I feel like we're better than this game, like to watch. But this still, as you're saying, a very entertaining game. Uh, we know it's a different game that we, than we've seen because we've seen, you know, these offensive highlights, these offensive shootouts. This one wasn't anything like that. This was a low-scoring game, and then the Whipsnakes turned it on come the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I'm looking at the uh, – it's funny just because – the championship obviously ends up being 12 to six. And the last time these teams met the Whipsnakes won 12, seven. And just looking at most of the stats for both of those games. And a lot of them are, are, are really on point. The only ones that really stick out are the ground balls were vastly in the Whipsnakes favor in the first matchup. And these were a lot closer. And that makes sense because the chaos were managing most of the game. So that always comes down to winning the ground balls, but the chaos had, nine more turnovers than they did in the, in the first game. And that they were, you know, per game, they had the lowest uh, turnovers, um, like the lowest average of turnovers per game. Um, and um, they had 15 in this game, which was four more than the whips. Um, faceoffs were much more even in this one. Um, as far as Nardella went, you know, it was 60, you know, four or whatever percent when he took some faceoffs, because obviously there were the violations and then, other ones that he didn't actually take. Um, Burnlor had 15 saves and then 16 in the championship. Um, he, he had a, a pretty comparable 68% and then 73 in the championship. So a lot of these sort of lined up still uh, in terms of how they matched up the last time. The shots were nearly the same. The shooting percentages of both teams almost the same. Um, it's just funny just that their last time they met, it was almost the exact same score where this one felt completely different than the other one. The other one was, uh, the, their, you know, their group play game was sort of three to two after the first quarter, then seven to five, and then 10 to seven. And then the whips kind of just shut them out in the fourth quarter and it was two goals. Um, this one was kind of, you know, the opposite. It was more so the chaos leading the way and then nine goal outburst um in the end of the quarter and so uh I just thought it was interesting because they had played before some teams hadn't had matchups yet from the group play but they had played one another and it kind of shook out similar to how it did the first time really other than just face-offs because it was uh it was a lot better this time and and more so the turnovers from the chaos um you know one of them that stands out to me and I was going to probably bring it up later but since I'm here I might as well bring it up was I think one of the biggest turning points in the game, or maybe not even a turning point, but the biggest a focal point in the game was around six minutes left. Chaos was on that one minute man up after the slashing call and Josh Byrne while throwing a fake up top gets stripped by Tim Muller. He throws an unreal poke, loses the ball. He detwigs burn and then just scoop. And then Earhart comes up with the ground ball. They go down the other end. That could have been, a two bomb. It could have been a one goal. It didn't matter. That would have made it 
eight to seven or eight to six with off the, and then the next face off Nardella had violated. So the next face off would have been their backup and the chaos could have won it again and possibly tied the game. Instead, they went down to hold the ball and then scored when Rambo took it to the end of the shot clock. I'm pretty sure. Um, so that was the biggest swing of the entire game. I think, quite honestly, the chaos could have completely changed the course of that game had they not boshed that man up. As great as Josh Byrne was, you simply can't give up the ball like that in a, in a man-up scenario, let alone you shouldn't be anywhere near a defender that close um, with the ball. And I think that was probably the biggest part of at least the, of that game, which essentially was the fourth quarter. Yeah, there was – I mean, throughout the first three quarters, I think for both teams, I mean, we're talking about the goalies played great, the defenses played great, but a lot of sloppy offensive plays, a lot of failed clears. Obviously, you throw in, the, like I said before, the Nardella violations. I don't know if, you know, you really can't count that because that's at the official's discretion, but failed clears, uh, you know, power plays. I know Zed Williams, I believe in the second quarter, had a crease violation on a power play, like early in a power play too. It wasn't like on a power play. It was like – first couple seconds of the power play like that can't happen you know in championship games in the in these situations and now that's early in the game the first three quarters that's why I said the whip snakes don't look like the whip snakes right now they weren't they didn't look disciplined they were making mistakes like you know dumb mistakes that this you know we haven't seen this team make you know all season but come the fourth quarter turned it around and as you're saying that's a big turning point I know Paul Rabel said because he was uh being an analyst from the sideline uh the big saves from uh from Burnlord down the stretch, he made a couple big uh, kick saves, you know, toe saves. Um, you know, those were big turning points in this game. And then come the fourth quarter, as you're saying, off that uh that burn turnover there on the power play. Uh, I mean, Rambo scored a goal. You know, a couple seconds later, uh, to really kind of put more of a dagger into that one. Um, and the ten unanswered goals after going what a whole quarter. And then pretty much half a quarter, pretty, they pretty much went over two quarters without a goal, the Whipsnakes. Yeah, it was like 25 minutes or something. That's not, we have not seen that from this team in the last two seasons. And we've we see seen that come a championship game. And we saw that in, in multiple other games. You had, I think it was the Water Dogs um, chaos game, actually. The Water Dogs, I think, literally went 28 minutes without scoring. And then they had that. Um, onslaught and then they won in overtime or it was uh, or it was the game against chrome where no i think it was versus chrome it was the chrome game late in group play where they didn't score for 28 minutes and then they had like nine goals in like 10 minutes in the fourth quarter and then lost by like two goals like they made this insane comeback but the same thing there you know we had we had teams go through some really bad dry spells like that but i don't think any of us expected that to be the whip snakes in the championship like you were saying I'm checking here specifically with that man up. It was nine to six right after Williams had his fifth goal. They won the next face off with the violation and it was the slash happened on that play. So the chaos had a minute man up and it was nine, it was nine to six with six minutes left. So could have made it nine, eight could have made it nine, seven, but I think that's a drastically different ball game. Whereas they give that up, Rambo does that inside roll, and then Zed gets his sixth, and then they win the game. I st- Rambo, I think that was- Rambo got that inside roll at the end of the shot clock, so they took another 50 seconds off the game clock. And then I believe they won the faceoff 
had a full 50-second possession, and then I have here timeout off the save with a shot clock reset, so another 50 seconds, and then Williams scored another goal. So that's a dagger, and they ended up scoring another goal there before the end. I mean, that's just – if you're the chaos, that, you can't do anything about that. Big turnover think- on a power play, you can't. I think I think I remember that it was um, after Rambo's goal, they had taken the shot clock down. The chaos did everything they needed to. There was probably like four something minutes. Like still not, they don't like they weren't like really short on time yet. And then with forcing the shot, they caused a ground ball, and there was a push, a play on push, and the chaos came up at the ground or the whips came up at the ground ball, and then they called timeout. And at first, I was like. There's like two seconds left in the shot clock. What do you call a timeout for? And then I saw that the ref had the play on. And so they got a reset because of the push. And that was just like the biggest dagger ever. But a great call by whoever, I'm assuming Stagnita, calling that timeout, seeing that, because that was huge. Um, that was a huge play in terms of them just icing out the rest of the game. Took off almost two minutes off the, off the yeah. game clock. That's on the – yeah. It was um, um, well executed. Tommy Kelly, though, had a solid outing. He played – I mean, in this playoffs, he played better than he did uh, really through this entire tournament. He struggled mightily in the group play. Did do, you know, fairly well in this tournament. Obviously, Greg Grenley will tell you he was winning pretty much all the clamps. It was just off the clamps, whether it was the opposing faceoff specialist, you know, forcing him to make a mistake on his exit or whatever the case might be, or the wings. I mean, the wings for the whip snakes causing mayhem you know really for every single game they've played I mean you you tell Nardella yeah Nardella played so well in this tournament he's gonna tell you, you know my wings are the reason why I played so well in this tournament why my numbers look so good but Kelly struggled uh but he played well in this game struggled throughout the tournament he played well in this game um and really I like I said it's just a lot of call you know turnovers uh, early in possessions for the chaos come the fourth quarter. And it was the whip snakes. Once Nardella figured it out and uh, he just stepped on the gas too. That's why everyone's saying Zed Williams stepped on the gas come the fourth quarter. Joey Nardella stepped on the gas and really had a really strong fourth quarter and um, whip snakes champions. Yeah, no, I know. I, and to go back to your point, cause we kind of started this with you offering your thoughts about the MVP with both of those guys balling out in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I did struggle with it. I know at the same time, 20 goals and in, in six games, which that's unreal in six games, <laughs> we'll leave is, that there. That's, that's absolutely unreal, which is still three something a game, which is by yeah. no means not impressive. Um, but when you even look at the game that, although he was shut out entirely, him and Rambo both had no points that falls on him. But essentially, he had 20 goals in five games. <laughs> he made up for it. It's even better. So, uh, it, it was um, obviously incredible. You know, he was a focal part of that offense. Basically, the reason why they won that championship. I mean, without, um, you know, without his, his performance, it was, it, it's a tie game um, at the end. <laughs> it'd, it'd be six to six. And um, it, it was, you know, obviously, it was impressive. He was the MVP of the game. It kind of just felt like with that, all that momentum um, and, and, and in a way he deserved it, you know, he's, he's also, you know, obviously a very prominent player, you know, with the Iroquois team. So kind of giving him that notoriety. He's also a standout, you know, teammate and unbelievable like person. Everyone speaks so highly of him. 
So it couldn't have gone to a better guy. I mean, we saw, you know, him giving a shout out to his dad out in the in the post game interview, and you know he's still holding his stick the whole time, which I absolutely really loved. cool moment. Really cool. Really moment. loved that. And you know, at the same time, it you know after like a half hour, I was kind of like, wow, like Nardella didn't get the MVP because he really was incredible the Dude, whole this entire tournament. tournament. Yeah, him and Zed both were. And I guess when you think about it, with the faceoffs not really going their way. And Zed be playing the way he was, you know, maybe that was their reasoning. Or and you know, I, I was curious as to why they were doing it then and there. I thought there was going to be a game MVP, to which I was going to agree with you there. I think it's it was Williams. I thought there'd be some other consideration. I wonder if they're even going to do the other individual awards like they did last year. I'm like genuinely questioning if they deem it like you know legit enough to give those out for just the tournament because it's not really a full-on season. I feel like they should. Uh, there's definitely been discussion amongst people, you know, on Twitter, like about those awards, so to speak. So there's a chance they still do. Uh, but I was just wondering with how short of the, you know, short of the tournament was if they were still going to do that. And with kind of how, you know, I don't want to say liberal or I guess just quick to give out the MVP just like that at the end of the game for the entire thing. Um, it, it was interesting. So that's what, that's what made me have that, that train of thought. I guess it was more so that, you know, whoever won, they were ready to give it out there just based on who the teams were because there was no real insane MVP campaign from anyone else on a different team. It was we, basically, we've been saying it really yeah, – I mean, we said it in the last show. We said it last week. Really, whoever is going to win MVP is going to have to come from at least, probably the team that wins at least someone that plays in the championship game. Yeah, it was if chaos won a hundred thousand percent, it was going to be Blaze, regardless. Um, I don't think Byrne played well enough to garner that with his. It was really for, for that argument. It was if it was a defensive game, which it was through the first three quarters. It would have been uh, Blaze because if it was a defensive game, that means Blaze had to you know play out of his mind. If it was an offensive game, it probably would have been Byrne because if think offensive game burn probably would have been the one scoring most of those points so it was really that balance and then when it came just to whip snakes if the whip snakes won it was really and i mean a three kind of a three-man race between nardello rambo and williams williams and nardello went off in this one and mm -hmm. you give it to williams i think with a six goal just take over like that in the fourth quarter to win the game i guess you can't really i guess you can't really look past it so you know Good for him. Awesome. Uh, it was it, it was just, it was a great way to wrap all that up, and it was definitely really cool. And I can't really complain for him getting that award. And I guess um, we'll wait to see if if some of these other awards are going to be given out because if we do find out about that, hopefully anticipating the release, then we can come up with uh, our predictions of our own, and they don't just let them they don't just announce them out of nowhere. But um, yeah, I'll be interested to see who those are. I've had some ideas. I've been writing those down. Um, but there you go. Two, two championships in a row. Do you think that's better or worse for the league? I would have liked to see the chaos when obviously, as I said before, I had money on the chaos winning I had money on the chaos covering. Cause I thought they were going to win obviously through the first three quarters. I was sitting back. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I feel good about this. I thought, I honestly thought the chaos were, were going to come into the fourth quarter playing how the whip snakes actually played like I, I the whip snakes just did not look good they didn't you know and then good being we 
just what we expected. They've played so well throughout this tournament. You brought up 13, 14 goals per game. They didn't, they scored three in the first three quarters. That's just, you know, we, I was like, what's going on right now? I thought the chaos would come out and I thought they were going to just, you know, put their foot on the gas. And I thought they were going to just take over complete opposite happened. Obviously the whip snakes, as we all now know, took over and, and scored nine goals in the fourth quarter to win this one, 12, six, nine unanswered fourth quarter goals. I should uh, specify nine unanswered fourth quarter goals. Um, is this for a young league? I mean, I guess it would have been better for the chaos to win. Obviously, then you get those two champions. But, I mean, I really don't think it's, it's that big of a deal being that we're only two years in. If the Whipsnakes win next year, then maybe you're going to, you, you know, that question comes up, you know, three years in a row. Like, yeah. Especially, yeah. I mean, if they are as dominant next year as they were in the past two seasons. Obviously, that's not terrible. You got a, just a good team, a good coach, good players. But one thing, too, I'm expecting a, a pretty major turnaround being that we're going to probably have – a lot of talent coming into this college draft. So I'm kind of expecting somewhat of a big turnaround uh, in players. Yeah, I, I think that I, I agree with you. Or if they win again next year, then that's when you're, you're going to start to, you know, probably have some issues with it. I think um, one thing I thought about was how different this season would have been had it been the normal 10 weeks, 10 game regular season with these rosters. But then I also thought, you can make the point of it's these same rosters with 10 games, or if it was 10 games, that means it's a normal world and there's no COVID and you don't have those roster constrictions and you don't have to go out to the waiver wire. Like I was saying to my friend, I think Chrome were better having made all those changes oh, yeah. than they would have been normally. So I think in a 10 game season, maybe you don't see Chrome do as well. Maybe they still perform better than last year, but maybe not as well as they looked. Because I think they got a lot of great additions with all uh, with the uh, with the waiver and just sort of how they came together that way. Um, and then I wondered if the Whips were going to be able to continue that success. I was also thinking, you know, with someone like Nardella, as insane as he played, if you think about it in reality, it's such a small sample size of like Quick sprint to the finish. Like so. at least as far as the group play went, like when we were like, oh my god, you know, he's going to be the MVP. It was like this is three games, you know. Trevor Baptiste did this last year. Like he would have, he'd have his, his string of really good games. It's like, all right, well, it's a whole season. And then the playoffs, like, yeah, that's that, you know, faceoff guys are, you know, bound to be able to go off like that. I just thought it was funny how we were thinking about all of this and we're like, it's just like a four games. <laughs> it's just four games. You like know, there's something camp. like, like yeah. it's like hard and averaging, you know, 30 points for like a week. And we're like, whoa, or like 40 points in a week, which is still impressive. But we're like, whoa but it's like all right well you got 70 other games to play um it was just kind of funny thinking about that but I would genuinely have been curious to see how these teams shook out with a whole season and with that an entire training camp nonetheless and obviously off-season workouts being normal and guys being able to play together as well the NLL finishing so all of that I think would have made a complete uh difference so I, I think it would have been interesting maybe the whips still win maybe they still come together how they do um but I just thought that, that was uh, I thought that, that was and uh, that was an interesting thought. And the um, as far as the chaos winning this year, to answer my original question, I think that uh, it would have been great for them. It would have been an awesome story, Blaze winning it, like a goalie winning the MVP, because that would have 100% been the case. They would have been 0 4, 
seven seed going on to beat the reigning champs, the number one seed who were five and oh at that point. Um, I just, I think if there was a ton of it, that would have been awesome for the chaos to win. Um, and just thinking back, I feel like such an idiot sitting there. So like confident the chaos are going to be able to finish out the game, not doubting their ability, but when you think about it, like it was a three goal lead versus the best team and the best offense in the league. Like at what point do you realize like, Oh, it's only six to three. Like it's not even like they were up 10, four or something yeah. like with the fourth quarter left. Like it was like, dude, this is a three goal game with 12 minutes left. And then it was a tie game one minute later. <laughs> so uh, it, it was just funny thinking back. It's like, wow, why was I that comfortable in that situation when they literally like they did in a minute score three goals and then it was tied. And then at that point it was, it felt like it was already over. And it wasn't even too like burn lower. It wasn't like he was struggling. He was no, playing no. unbelievable. He, he gave up six goals in three quarters. Like I said before, that's, that's a, an accomplishment in, of a, in and of itself. Just the offense really wasn't helping him out. That, that's just kind of what it came down to come the fourth quarter. The offense really helped him out. Uh, the other side, you know, Reardon played great through three quarters and then come the fourth quarter, his, really his offense did not I mean it really wasn't his offense wasn't getting many possessions and then as you said before when they got that possession they got a power play opportunity and they turn it over so it's like you really can't do much about that if you look at all the shots those nine goals that went in Carlson crashing on the crease Williams two of them in close we blaze had stopped three doorstep shot you can't really ask him to do that any more than three times so Williams gets two more Another one is perfectly offside hip when he did the – he came out of the roll coming from X. Literally, there's nothing Reader could do. Two of his other shots were completely screened. He had the one he shot around Rowlett offside hip, and then he had the one off of the pick where he just stepped in and absolutely peppered top right. That was through, like, three players. And Blaze, it's stick side high, and he didn't even go near it. Like, he, there's clearly – he didn't even see it at all. Like, all of them are really nothing he can do. As great of a goalie as he is, and he'll probably be the goalie of the year, like, those are just shots you're simply – you just simply can't do anything about. They're just momentum shots. The fast break uh, from Nardella. Zed is shooting at in, in .4 seconds, in and out of his stick. You're not saving that. No. It, it really wasn't even his fault, having played so great the whole game and then letting in nine. You can't even blame him for literally any of those goals. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, a good game. Definitely got to say that, a good game. And like I said, it was a low scoring, which championships kind of seem like that, especially like, you know, I think NFL, they're one-game championships. They seem like that, as, my, as I said. Semifinal games are usually better. I think in this, game, in this situation, too, for this tournament, the semifinal games were better. Obviously, we had, you know, the Chaos and Archers. That game was close for the most part. The Redwoods came back. That was a great comeback by the Redwoods to – force overtime the whip snakes though they came out of that game uh second half they scored what three goals in the second half of that game then they came into this one and scored three goals in the first three quarters so that one thing too i said they ended this semi-final game really poorly offensively they came into this finals game and through the first three quarters did not play whip snakes across so i'm thinking you know I, I was comfortable going into the fourth quarter i liked my uh my bets there on the chaos to win. Um, if it had stayed at the part, if it had stayed at the pace it was, I think the chaos were good. 
They were oh, feeling yeah. fine off on defense. Jack Roulette was playing really good the whole game. Um, Blaze was obviously playing great. They were getting the face-offs much more in their favor than they probably expected. If it had stayed at that pace and the chaos got, you know, a man-up goal or, or one more and they made it, you know, 7-3 or, or even 8-3 on like two quick ones or something with maybe a violation from Nardella, something like that, sure. But then as soon as that momentum flipped in the Whipsnake's favor, you can't do that. And, and you saw exactly why. Um, but although to my point that I just made before, you know, how was I so stupid to think, you know, a three-goal lead was safe? If it had stayed at that pace, maybe. But in the back of my mind, like I was saying, I was like, something is going to change. Like something's, something's going to happen. Something's going to click. Turn on eventually. Something's going to click for the worst. And there you go. Nine unanswered in the fourth quarter. Ten unanswered to end this game. And I, it's like you say that, but Reardon still played. I mean, what was his save percentage here? I can pull it up real quick. Definitely dropped. 54%. But throughout this entire – it was probably definitely well over 60-65 throughout the course of this game. Obviously, just come the fourth quarter, you know, you 10 unanswered goals. You really can't, you know, do anything about that in terms of your save percentage. He still made 14 saves, um, which yeah. is, you know, a pretty solid number uh, when it comes to goalie play. When he but, had – I think when he had nine saves, because I remember him and Burnlord both had nine saves, but Reardon's percentage was 80. Yeah. Because at that point, Not the Whips really. only had three goals, I think. Or, or, or two goals because so, it was maybe that's eight out of ten he saved. So it was 80% before they got their third goal, which was right before the fourth quarter started. So for the most of the game, he almost had 80%, which is insane, absolutely insane. And then that obviously changed. But, yeah, he, he, was, he was on pace there. I was, I was ready to, to book it. I was like, blaze the MVP. Uh, no, I mean, through the first three game, quarters of this game, Blaze was absolutely uh, the MVP. Then again, though, I was expecting a little bit more, a little bit more goals scored. Was hoping for some more highlight plays, but we got enough of that, I think, in the fourth quarter uh, to make up for the first three. But this game went by fairly quickly, despite the slow play. It, it flew by. I mean, I looked up at the clock. It was like hour and a half. We were starting the fourth quarter, and I was like, wow. But then again, obviously, you know, you don't get all those stoppages for the goals. Come the fourth quarter, I think this game finished out at two hours, which is, you know, the normal. Um, but because of the fourth quarter, we finally had those stoppages because we had those nine goals come the fourth quarter. So good that game, was, though. Yeah, that was that that leads me to something I was going to mention that I agreed with that I saw on Twitter was I think they need to make it 15 minute quarter. I, I saw that as well. They need to make it 15, Without especially if they're doing running clock on every single out of bounds and stuff, which you have I to make I it 15. I don't understand that. I like, didn't even notice it until my brother asked me, he's like, does the clock run? And I was like, I guess it does. Except like, for I, second quarter and the end of the game, the final minute, which I think they should make that the final two minutes. It should be two minutes, but it should also just, it should, the quarters just should be 15 minutes. Even if it's still running time, make up for that BS time that's wasted by at least making it three minutes longer. So maybe it still ends up being 12 minutes of actually playing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at least, or just don't even have the clock run. I was like, what is this summer lacrosse? Like at a Long Island tournament? Like what, like what, why do we do that? What's the point? I get you want it to be fast, but I loved watching the MLL games because I'd be like, Oh my God, it's only the third quarter or second quarter. Like it just felt like I was just getting more lacrosse. And that was because, it was 15 the minutes. First half, the first half of this game flew by. 
That's why I'm saying too. It was like an hour and a half through like it was like one o'clock or not one o'clock. It was like one thirty, two o'clock, and I look up at the clock and and uh, or the the we're only three you know three quarters in this game. Not only three quarters. We're already three quarters through this game. I mean, the first half, like I said, flew by. It almost it almost like took away in every game, not just the championship, but more so because it was the chip. Like, it almost, like, took away from it. I was like, it's, like, already the fourth quarter. Like, I guess we're going to have a winner now. Like, it just felt like it, it, like, didn't make it as, like, exciting or building it up, like, this long, like, battle of a game. Like, it was just like, oh, now it's the fourth quarter. Here we go. Like, Here we go. Just, we, got, we got one more quarter of, of uh, this so Pillow Championship Series. It was, like, kind of a buzzkill. I think they definitely need to amend that uh, next year. I definitely think they should. So what are we thinking? Twelve to four, uh, twelve to fifteen minute quarters, and then as to end the first half and to end the game, the final minute, the clock stops on all every out of bounds. That's the thing; it stops on goals scored and then restarts after the faceoff. But every time the ball goes out of bounds, the clock keeps running. So as you're saying, there's probably some instances where like ten, fifteen seconds run off the clock in between the ball going out of bounds and then when the ball actually starts, like. I know. I think in this game, they they started running with, and the referees made them go back and restart it where they wanted them to restart it. That took off like twenty seconds, twenty five seconds off the clock. So I, I can see your point there. And then I'm thinking toward for do it, make it more like I know they don't want us to make it like football, but make it like football instead of the final minute, make it the final two minutes. Yeah, something like that. If they're trying to make it more you know, fun and, and exciting then like allow for more things to happen in the final two minutes of the game. Cause that's when you want things to go down. I just think the time is the biggest thing. It, it, it's going like, it's too quick. It's too quick. And we just saw it with that game yesterday. Cause there weren't a lot of stoppages cause there weren't a lot of goals and it just flew by that we yeah. saw it. You know, I think in this championship game, as you're saying, we didn't really notice it much in these other games because the other, these other games were more high scoring. We saw more goals. This one, it just flew by because there weren't any goals. There weren't those stoppages. So I can see your point there. Yeah. Especially, I mean, yeah. in the second quarter, there was one goal yeah. in the second quarter. Yeah. So that, I mean. The penalties that both washed. The second quarter probably in total. I don't have, I don't know what, well, when the timeouts were taken or, or what the case was. I think there were two timeouts in the second quarter, but besides those timeouts, I mean, the second quarter, probably in total, a 12 minute quarter probably took plus the one stoppage. I think they do the, the one stoppage at like the six minute mark or five, around that time, every, every game or for every quarter. But I, I mean, that quarter probably in total took 20 minutes from start yeah. to finish. It probably took 20 minutes. Yeah. Maybe not even, I mean, I remembered maybe it was it the archers playoff game. I think the first quarter or second quarter, literally no exaggeration. I think it was the first quarter because the game started at whatever it was, six o'clock or, or I don't know, seven or eight. It was literally, I think eight 15 and the first quarter was done. Like I was like, this is insane. Yeah. Um, the second quarter, like you said, there was only one goal. There was two delay of game or there was a delay game penalty on the chaos. And then there was a hold on Ty Warner, mm -hmm. both of those 32nd man ups that Williams missed the goal from point blank. And then when the chaos had one, it was just like a missed pass from Randy or Randy Stott or Austin Stotts. Um, and they both were just like washed. So like, that was the only time that I guess there was like stoppages there was to set up for the penalty for the extra man up. But then it, it, literally other than that, there was just nothing. The second quarter flew by entirely. 
I guess it probably took like 20 minutes total. I know one thing uh, that Paul said back when they started the league, why they made it 12 is because they wanted, you know, they wanted to keep the game below two hours. That was kind of the goal. Like they wanted to start and they want, you know, as we're saying, we want more lacrosse. He said we wanted to keep it short and we wanted to keep it sweet. We didn't want, you know, people to lose uh, attention to the game. You know, you want to keep people sitting around. But 12 minutes, but don't have the clock run. Like, yeah. That's, that's just, I don't know. That would bother me as a player so much. All that I mean, waste. Thinking it for like some of these chaos offensive players. I mean, Curtis Dixon might have touched the ball like once or twice in the second in the uh, fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean the defense just locked it in. They felt that they were feeding off all of that momentum from the goat from their offense killing it, and and they basically looked like what we had seen the whole tournament, allowing eight goals a game. Um, obviously, they only had six, but just just totally locking it in after pretty much – I don't even want to say playing bad in the first three quarters because they only allowed six goals. But, um, you know, they definitely looked more organized. They weren't giving up as many shots or weren't giving up good looks, which was leading to Burnlaw's saves, which total – like added on to his saves total by the end of the game. You know, it was it was looking – basically they assumed their, their original role on that defense of just being locked down and um, – that's definitely what, what played the part with guys like that, just not even being a factor. And then Byrne trying to, you know, obviously do it himself. And it, it just didn't look good. Now you talked about the chaos defense before. The chaos, what they did defensively for the early part of this game, it looked like they were double, double pulling the middies. They had a, mid, or, uh, they had a midfielder covering um, Jay Carlson inside. And they were double pulling the middies. What, they, what we've seen most teams do is put a pull on John Hollis. He had a shorty. Uh, through the pretty much the most part of this game. They were double polling when it came to Brad Smith and Mike Chanichuk. Interesting because we hadn't seen that really from any defense this season do that. And obviously, I mean, we say the Whipsnakes only scored three goals in the, in the first three quarters. I don't know if that changed come the fourth quarter or if it was just Zed Williams completely took over. I mean, they scored a couple goals, you know, quick. One was right off the faceoff when Nardella with the assist. So I'm not sure if that was the case, but – We've saw, we saw a little bit of a, a different, you know, plan here defensively when it, for, for chaos when it came to, to guarding this, this uh, offense. Yeah, and, and you saw Tyson Bell was like splitting reps at long pole and short stick and doing great at both. You still saw a lot of that really good ball movement from the whips. I think when they started to score a bunch of those goals, I mean, most of them obviously came from, from Zed. But even so, like you saw flashes of the really good ball movement, but then you would see the recovery from the chaos or, or blocking the shot or selling out, not letting Rambo really do what he usually is able to do, bullying people from that left island. Um, for the most part, he was getting deed up by, uh, by Rowlett. And um, a lot of the other times, you know, you didn't see that same kind of ball movement. And that was sort of – that's where their offense is so great. Um, and the few times, the few goals they scored in the beginning, that's where you saw that. Um, but otherwise, the, the, the chaos were largely prepared and game planned for it and were executing. Um, it was a really good job on their end. So it, it, it did make um, the whips look human. I mean, as great as they are, they aren't completely unstoppable. I mean, we saw the Redwoods who have, you know, an incredible defense, obviously do their job in the game before it still ended up being, you know, 13, 12 or 14, 13. Um, but you still saw that it was possible to, uh, to, to do good against this offense defensively. 
So I think you saw maybe them taking some some uh, tips from them, uh, watching that game film, um, and then kind of just using their personnel as well. Um, their biggest fault was worrying about short sticks getting caught on D with that those two midi lines because they have to basically fully sub them off to get guys on. They don't have a lot of two-way guys like that. So that's I think that was where their fault was sometimes. Um, and basically through all of group play and all that. So that's something they're going to try to have to address by either drafting or, you know, signing, et cetera. But uh, for the most part, they really were doing a great job. Three goals through three quarters. And then the law of averages kicked in and the whips got back to, you know, 12, 13, 14, where they usually are. So um, good on them. But again, better team wins and they are the better team for two years in a row now. So and the Whip Snakes back to back PLO champions. It was a fun season. I got to put it that way. Fun series. Very fun Unreal. series. Unreal. Great, great three weeks between the MLL and then this. Um, I enjoyed this much more, I would probably say, than the MLL, but it was still great to just see lacrosse on TV. Have this be on main, the main channel for NBC, have it on NBC Sports. Watching it on gold the few times was, you know, fine. Um, but man, oh man, having it on television, I'm, I'm really eager to see the numbers and how this all shook out social media wise, television wise, uh, ratings and all that. I'm sure that'll be released soon enough. And I'm really interested to see how it did. Definitely because it, I mean, that's obviously what we need to grow the sport. There are obviously some people on the social media, uh, trying to bash obviously the PLO. There are a lot of people are trying to say that it didn't, it didn't. Um, or that this series format hurt them because they weren't able to bring in those ticket sales. They weren't able to bring in those at game merchandise sales, kind of all that you can make money through those ways. But I mean, for the, what we were given in a pandemic, they got a season done and I mean, they were bringing in, it looked like they, I mean, or no, it didn't look like, or it looked, I mean, we saw how many sponsors that they had, how many sponsors they were bringing in. I mean, Mike Rabel talked about it in one of the semifinal games on the broadcast. He's like, yeah, like we're, we're just bringing in new sponsors here as we go. I mean, that's, 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 uh, that's awesome when, when you think about lacrosse, kind of bringing in these big sponsors. I mean, I would never have thought that lacrosse would have sponsors like Gatorade and, and Vineyard Vines. I mean, that, they had that last season. Um, but a ton of sponsors here towards the end of this thing. And, that, I mean, that's, that's what we need when it, when it comes to lacrosse. We need that kind of just to get the lacrosse on the mainstream. And when you have sponsors like this, you're able to get lacrosse on the mainstream. Yeah, I, th I feel like the biggest one had to be, you know, on game. Obviously, it was every game. But with the games that were on television, you had, you know, probably what I would say a pretty big sponsor in Progressive. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the game flow thing, which did get annoying. Me and my friends would joke about it because the game flow side-by-side -side screen would come up every 10 seconds to watch a replay. But then having those things on the goals the whole time, like that's, that's, that's a lot. I don't want to say it's a lot of money given, I don't know what the PLL, you know, demands out of a sponsor in terms of if you're, you know, if we're going to do this for you, you know, given it's not, you know, Major League Baseball with something behind home plate, which is always on the viewers TV at home. But still to have that on the goal the whole time, like I would imagine they got some good money for that um, on top of, you know, all the other sponsors um that they have and, and that they were mentioning and tying things in with um I feel like that probably did really good for them and and you know as much as people want to complain I mean 
you know, there were, at least there was something, at least we had lacrosse to watch. At least there was sports on TV. People could, you know, get back it to watch. not happened. I mean, for all and we know, it could have not happened. No one was able to do, no one has fans at anything. I don't really know how that can be a complaint from anybody. Um, and nonetheless, they had zero issues, zero cases, no real major injuries. Um, none of that while they were in this bubble. Now you see the MLB is a damn mess That's right now. MLB is you a know, mess I doubt, right I highly doubt that the and that the NFL will happen. And, and the NHL is seeing less, less issues. I think they're the NHL. They're, no, the NHL and NBA are doing really good. The right. NHL and NBA are, are doing very well right now. What's the bubble format? Yeah. Um, so I don't know how people can complain. I thought that went great. I saw, I couldn't even count how many tweets I saw of people saying how great and well run this was, how well organized it was. The players were obviously all extremely satisfied, but just new people and like media people in other sports, other networks being like, this is, this was great. You know, how many articles were written about Rabel, his brother and, and doing this tournament. It was like people magazine, GQ, all these getting them getting featured, which is not only just Big time notoriety there, and variety. All, yeah. Like all of these sort of writing about how they were the first to think of the idea. They executed it perfectly. There were no issues and mo- like model wise, social media and all that they're doing everything so great. And like, that's, again, I'm waiting for, to see all the impressions, the hashtags, the mentions. I mean, I have never seen my Twitter timeline more active than during these last two to three weeks um, of lacrosse. And it was awesome. And I can only imagine that that's going to carry on after this. I mean, the, the off season doesn't help. Um, and most we're, of our, most we're going to have a very long off season. Most of uh, our, podcasts, that's, that probably won't help. Yeah. Most of our podcasts have been from during the off season. I mean, we did this from, you know, the, the college season basically to the end of that um, and through now. But, you know, the offseason will be the offseason. I anticipate them to start the same time next year in May. So, I mean, it's basically a normal wait of, like, in terms of us waiting for the PLL. But as far as I know, um, the NLL is, is on track to start when it normally would too. So, if anything, because there's, there's going to be this absence, I think that might even carry in because of these guys who are from the indoor game doing really well in the, in this championship series, kind of those names are going to be tracked back where, Oh, these guys play in the NLL, you know, to a generic fan that maybe didn't know that, or people who, you know, were just getting into the PLL. They're like, Oh, there's more lacrosse. Let me go watch, you know, this as well. You know, I myself, because the NHL, the NBA, the NFL might not be happening on the same schedule because of how late these bubbles took. Um, that might be the only thing on. So I'm, I might be become a, a huge NLL fan this year. I'm, I'm looking forward to the NLL. I haven't gotten big into it, obviously, trying to be that. I'm trying to cover lacrosse. I'm, I'm going to try to get much more into the NLL uh, this winter. But really the thing is, I mean, the NLL has been kind of taking some subtle shots here, I think, at both leagues. Because obviously the MLL and PLL are trying to both operate side by side, uh, separate from each other. We don't know how long that's really going to last for. But the NLL has been kind of taking shots, be like, yeah, like, you know, we're still, you know, successful being just our one league. But I really don't think the NLL has gotten this much, you know, exposure until now the PLL, because the MLL was never on TV. You didn't know any of these lacrosse players. Now the PLL is 
on TV. They're letting us, you know, they're, they're giving us insight onto all these players, all these teams, all this inside information. And now, like, like you're saying, I think more people now are going to be watching the NLL come this fall and winter, whenever they end up getting started, because, you know, Zed Williams is in the PLO. Now he's going to be in the, in the NLL. Matt Rambo is a star in the PLO. He's also like all these guys, most of these guys play in the NLL. Is just pretty much the, the, the good amount of the great players are good at are playing both leagues. Yeah, Fields, Rambo, Schreiber, Dane Smith. You got Jake Bernhardt who tweets out, I believe, a week and a half ago. He's like, "Oh, I'm I'm jealous, or I'm uh, I feel left out here. All these NLL transactions." He gets signed by a team like a week later. Like, yeah, and and they're um they've still been out of the uh, out of the out of all professional leagues. The NLL is the most successful. Yeah. Um, in terms of like money and um, like viewership consistent um, and it's been around for a while, they do a great job. I look forward to them possibly getting um, uh, like a TV deal of some kind, not saying it will happen, but I, uh, I anticipate it hopefully down the road for that sake, because that, that would be awesome. Um, right now you only can watch them on bleacher report live, which is like an app on the computer and your phone and I think it's uh, it's similar to the Gold Pass, where you pay a flat a rate per month. I don't think it's one payment at all at once. I think it's per month. But you, for the four and a half months of the NLL season, you can watch every single game. You get you know all the stats. You get all you know the added media, the videos, the highlights, things like that. You get all of that with it. And I think more so because we didn't have a whole college season because we didn't have the PLL taking up the whole summer into the fall, because we just had this little chunk as satisfying and awesome as it was, as soon as it goes away. And now it is, everyone's going to be like, damn, I want to watch lacrosse again. But now we got to wait until maybe college lacrosse, who knows what's going to happen. Who knows if that's going to happen. Or if it'll, if it does happen, if it's going to be on television, because now there's the talks of football moving to the spring and that will be the only thing on TV. Literally college lacrosse will not exist on television if that is the case. So even if it does happen, being able to see lacrosse will not happen until the PLL or MLL or end the MLL next summer. So that's months and months and months away. So if the next dosage is your chance to watch the NLL and get something new out of it as well, I think that's the other added bonus of it is everyone being like, oh, that was awesome. And then no, now we have nothing. So I think that that's another huge angle that they're going to have to play off of and try to sell. Um, on top Absolutely. of just, on top of these players, Zed Williams, um, Curtis Dixon, Dane Smith, and guys on other teams, Zach All Currier, these stars in the PLL having that are also been, stars. just been in this tournament. It's like, hey, if you like these guys, come watch them when they're ten times better in this league. That's exciting to watch. I think the thing too, where where we started with this too, the MLL really, you know, you didn't have that when when it was just the MLL. Now the PLO is here too. You have that exposure because now you're you're seeing these players, you're learning about these players. You know, like I feel like when it was MLO and NLL, it was like, oh yeah, guys play. Like if if we were if there was just the MLL right now, we were talking about this with the MLL, we wouldn't be saying like, oh like I don't feel like there there would be that, you know. As you're saying, you know, there's that that want to watch lacrosse. I don't think that there there'd be that same uh, desire. I agree. So I'm definitely interested. I'm I'm trying to do some research right now to figure out who my uh, team should be to watch, um, or I may just be a passive fan at first. But I'm I'm definitely trying to get it, uh, be interested in it. And hey, we said 
we said a couple weeks ago that the New York Riptide had to get a indoor lacrosse player. Didn't we say that a couple weeks ago when we were talking? I think it was right before the championship series started. We were saying because uh, they they're, they're being the expansion team. We were like, oh, looking at their roster, they have a ton of field players. They don't have like actual indoor talent. They just got Callum Crawford, who is the reigning MVP. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe maybe two years ago he was because I think the most two recent years ago maybe was yeah. Dane Dobie in 2019. But regardless, yeah, I know that was a huge deal. They finally got um, they kind of had a, a motley crew of of indoor or outdoor guys trying to getting into the to the NLL. So they weren't a great team last year, uh, but we'll see now. Um, obviously, that they're close to home. They're they're near, or I guess they're more Long Island, but they're not far from either of us uh, at home. So we'll see. Maybe um, Buffalo's not too far away from me at so Philadelphia's not too far. Yeah. Well, at the same time, we have to remember they'll probably in a bubble, so we won't be able to go see any games likely. But regardless, to be a fan, we'll figure that out. But that's for that's for another day. But I think the NLL has a really good opportunity here to build off of that momentum. But the PLL Championship Series is officially wrapped up. The final was yesterday. Great game. They put a cherry on top of that. They called it a day. But this show is going to continue here. We have more to talk about. Sometime at the end of this week, we'll be back to recap everything else around the tournament. We got fantasy lacrosse, betting through DraftKings, how we see this offseason playing out in terms of expansion, possible drafts, players that could possibly be on the move. I mean, Connor Fields did not play at all in yesterday's game either. He was not on the, out on the field for that chaos game. Uh, we got Ryan Drenner. I mean, he didn't play in there. One playoff game, Ryan Brown. I don't think he was really featured too much in that Atlas game. He really doesn't fit that team. So we got a bunch here to talk about here as we kind of go through this offseason uh, with all of that. So sometime at the end of this week, we'll be back kind of to, to recap that, give our initial thoughts. Uh, to ensure that you don't miss that, make sure to subscribe to Behind the Back on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Anchor. If you have not already, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, Top Shelf Lacks. Make sure to follow our accounts on Twitter and Instagram. Comment and tweet at us your questions and comments either at Top Shelf Lacks underscore my personal Twitter, Ryan Holtz underscore at Ty's personal Twitter, T Cunnington underscore Lacks. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. So make sure to tweet at us, direct message, whatever you want to do to make sure that happens and we will be able to address all of that. Make sure to share the show with a friend, family member, teammate, coach. If you know someone that likes the PLO or lacrosse in general, because as we're saying, we're going to transition more even into more NLL, college, all that stuff. If they have an interest in the sport, make sure to share our show. Anything helps us in the coming weeks as well. We're going to try to get some players from this tournament on the show, maybe some coaches. We'll make sure that we're reaching out to them soon. So the coverage really doesn't end here uh, with the end of this tournament. And as we've been saying, the NLL right around the corner, it's going to be exciting. Hopefully, um, we're, again, we're thinking probably a bubble format uh, once the NLL gets their season started. So make sure to like, follow, subscribe, share, whatever you have to do. Uh, it will be continue, or we can continue to try to be your source here for lacrosse news and opinions. Any final thoughts here on this PLL championship series? Again, I mean, Zed Williams, unbelievable. Six goals, five coming in the fourth quarter to uh, win his team this PLL championship. The Whipsnakes, man, as you're saying, dynasty possibly on the horizon here. Yeah, I mean, they've got college draft, and they've got possibly, possibly an entry draft again. Um, hopefully they, they, they probably pray they don't have an expansion again to, to weaken them at, at all. But maybe I don't they – I don't know what they would do with that. 
I mean, maybe, you know, because there was teams like the Chrome that they weren't even – they didn't lose anybody. So it could be that with who they protect and they leave, maybe they don't take – they don't lose anybody, but I find that hard to believe as the reigning champs. But regardless, you know, they're going to come back next year. They'll be the same team, if not better, with whoever they add. So um, hats off to them. They earned it. They're a great team, and, um, you know, we'll look forward to any sort of offseason moves and exciting things because this league uh, tends to do that. So we'll be waiting for it next summer. Um, By then, I'll be uh, getting ready to graduate, but that'll be a nice way for me to spend my summer as I search for a job. So that's uh, that's down the road, not to get too ahead of myself, but a great game. Williams is – everyone thinks he's like this, like, veteran player. He graduated from Virginia three years ago. 2017, I believe. Yeah, 17. So he's got a, he's got a long way to go in the in the lacrosse career. So uh, this is only the beginning. Uh, maybe not even his first and only MVP. That's good news for us as uh, as lacrosse fans. Oh yeah, we'll be able to see a lot of Zed Williams for a long time. A lot of these guys, I mean, a lot of these guys are, are fairly young. And then as I'm saying, I feel like we're going to see a pretty big turnaround in terms of talent. That's just kind of my opinion. Just because we're going to have a ton of talent in this college draft. We're going to have a ton of talent in the following college draft. And kind of really the thing is, each year I feel like – I think Paul Rabel said this, I think, like a year or two ago. Before this league even started, he said on one of his videos on YouTube, because I used to watch all his videos back when he used to post them all, like weekly he'd have videos. And he was saying lacrosse players now, like high school players, are doing stuff that, you know, us pro guys are just dropping our jaws. Like there's no way that these guys are, are doing this stuff, pulling off these – crazy goals and and whether it's defense offense goalies he's like these guys coming in you know the youth are so good and if I'm the PLO I don't want to lose out on that lose out on that being you're going to lose that talent to the MLO that's like if they don't have this turnaround come next season I mean who knows how I mean there there could be between two classes who knows who I, I, I imagine they all have another year of eligibility kind of the guys that are rising seniors. They have another year of eligibility. There's probably going to be some guys that don't take that, just like there were some guys that didn't take that this year. So you don't want to lose out on that talent. Do not want to lose out on that talent. Um, that'd be like losing five or six or possibly seven Michael Krauses to the MLO. They don't want that to happen. So I'd imagine the PLO, there will probably be a pretty big turnaround here in terms of talent. But we will wait and see for that. But the Whipsnakes, they were the best team. Throughout this entire tournament, they proved that here in this game, in this fourth quarter, why they are the best team, and they are rightfully so the best team here in this tournament. The Peel Whip Snakes, the champions, Ryan Holspus, Ty Cunnington here, signing off for everyone that has been following us here the last few weeks and through the last three months um, leading up to this tournament. And then now during this tournament, uh, we just want to say thank you. We really appreciate you guys following along. And if you're new, welcome. We are glad to have you here. Thank you guys all for listening. We will talk to you next time. This has been the Behind the Back Podcast.